I genuinely, genuinely believe that where we're going is the right place. It is, it is an attack of, it's, we are attacking the soul. We are attacking, we are attacking with the spirit. We've been baptized in the spirit. We've been talking about spiritual and soulish things. Um, now we are looking at uh, cleaning house, so to speak. We have these things that we are carrying around. We have these things. I don't know if you've ever seen. I even almost hate to give this uh, analogy, but Shrek and all these cartoon characters are squatting on his land. And these enemies that we have are taking are taking ownership in your life, whether it's pride or whether it's rejection or whether it's depression. Um. And there are so many that we're going to start attacking. Uh, but Elizabeth and I were praying last night, and I'm not, she's always, oh no, what are you going to say? Um, but we got to talking uh, to one of our children about how we have, the Lord has provided certain things for us, but he looks to us to go get them. Provision has been made. Does everybody agree that Jesus Christ has paid the price for us on the cross for our healing? for our restoration, for our redemption, for our cleansing. It's done. It has been done. Now, let me say this. Satan is still alive and well. Jesus has not come back to annihilate Satan. He has annihilated the power of Satan. Do you follow that? We have, we have been given the authority and the power over sin. But Satan is still alive. Now, Jesus is going to come back riding on a white horse and he's going to take out Satan one day. But that day hasn't happened yet. Amen. But we were talking with one of our kids and uh, we were talking about the the scripture. I think it's Psalm 103. uh, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits, who heals us of our diseases and who forgives us of our iniquities and heals us, heals us of our diseases. Now, today I went to the dentist. And here at the church, we have health insurance, we have dental insurance. And I was telling my daughter, I said, I have benefits at this church. But I could choose never to go to the dentist. I could make a decision not to go. Yet that benefit is there, but no one's going to make me go get that. These benefits have been given to us, but we, number one, we need to know God to know how he operates. Number two, we've got to go get them. And we've got to, you know, we, we pray for healing. And, I, you know, I've been praying for healing over some issues in my life. And there, there comes a time when I need to get um, vigorous and go after these things that the Lord has provided for me. If not, he, is, he has paid a price for me that I am not cashing in on. And that may sound a little, little out, outside the box, but no. If I've got a benefit for my child and my child chooses not to take it, They've missed it. Okay, we have these things that the Lord has given us power over. Right now in your life, you may have these things that are controlling you. You can't get past it, whether it's depression, whether it's rejection. And I don't want to just completely spill the beans. But compromise, the spirit of compromise, the spirit of, uh, the spirit of power and control. The spirit of Jezebel or deception or discouragement, the spirit of pride, um, the spirit of fear. 
Let me tell you, our nation, our children are full of fear. Adults are walking around with the spirit of fear. And it has no right on your land. Let me tell you, you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. You've been filled with the Holy Spirit. And I believe that when we get saved, that the Lord starts showing us and helps equipping us to get these things out. Do you know when you get saved, these things are still after you? Have I lost you already? When we get saved, is it all over? Do we just tiptoe through the tulips the rest of our life and no more problems? No, they really the, the the fight starts then. We're now beginning to get equipped to handle it. We've received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Now we've got to study and find out, hey, there are weapons. I have weapons. I have defense mechanisms. I have an offense and I have a defense. I have a refuge. I have a strong tower. My God is stronger. My God is greater. My God is healer. God, you are greater than any other. Do you see, even with the songs we sing, it is a, it, I believe that the Lord is trying to equip you. If our God is for us, who could ever beat us? Yet we go out into the world and we just continually get beat. Beat up by things that have no right to beat us. Whether it's addiction, alcohol, food, pornography, things that get you and won't let go until you're dead or until your life is ruined. No more. Everybody say that. Say no more. No more. My God's stronger. My God, he that, uh, uh, what's the scripture? Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. My God's a winner. And it's time that I start winning and not have sin rope me and tie me down any longer. I want you to catch this. John, First uh, John 3, 18. We looked at 3, 8. We looked at this last week. For the purpose of the for the pur- for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that He might destroy what the works of the devil. The devil hasn't been destroyed yet, right? The devil's not been destroyed yet. When Jesus walked the earth with the disciples, do you remember last week? I, I told you that continually He was fighting against what He was trying to. Uh, to build up, we're trying to understand the true nature of the kingdom of God. Do you remember the disciples and the the, the Christians, the men, the women were were wanting him to set up a natural kingdom? Naturally, they're used to kingdoms. They're wanting Jesus to set up his kingdom. They're wanting to see a throne. They're wanting to see rule. But he continually kept telling him, the, kept telling them, the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God. What does that mean? I am a temple of the Holy Spirit. I have been, I, the Lord has given me, has given us the, the, the vessel, the ability to take him who is just like Jesus. The Holy Spirit is one who is just like Jesus and fill this temple. The kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is here. It's within. I'm going to show you a scripture in just a minute that, that shows that. I showed it to you last week. But we receive the kingdom of God within us. There will be a natural. He will set up a natural kingdom eventually. And he will rule here for a thousand years. 
But that day hasn't happened. He has come that he might destroy the works of the devil. But they were looking for Jesus to establish his natural kingdom. Let's look at Luke 19, verse 11. And as they heard these things, they added and spake a parable because he was nigh to Jerusalem. And because they thought that the kingdom of God should should immediately appear. Do you catch that? They are looking for it. He said, therefore, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy until I come. Now in this parable, Jesus is the nobleman who came from a far country. To receive a kingdom and then to, and then to return to the country. Do you see that he came to establish his kingdom and then to return to heaven? The purpose of the father was for Jesus to receive the kingdom before he returned to heaven. Many believe that Jesus already received his kingdom because they don't understand that the kingdom is within them. Jesus is not someday going to return to receive his kingdom. He has already received the kingdom and it is within us. He has has paid every price by going to the cross as the perfect lamb, sinless and dying and shedding his blood. He's not going to come and die on the cross again. Now it's up to us, his servants, to occupy that kingdom within us until he returns to establish his external kingdom. Look at verse 13. And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds. And he said, Occupy until I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a message after him saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. Now I want you to catch three distinct entities in this parable. Number one is the nobleman, Jesus, who came from a faraway country, which is heaven, to receive the kingdom before returning back to heaven, returning back to that country. Second, there was the nobleman's servants, and they are the Christians who have accepted his rule over them and has get, and are given a part of the nobleman's possessions with a command to occupy. Do you know that he has commanded us to occupy until he comes? Right? We just read that. Until he returns. But finally, there are those who refused to accept the reign of the nobleman over them, which is the unsaved. Even though they were citizens of the kingdom that he had received from his father. Now we're going to read a little bit more in Luke 19. It's going to be a little, little lengthy, but hang in there with me. And it came to pass that when he returned, having received the kingdom, then he commanded these servants to be called unto him, whom he had given the money, that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Then then came the first saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained 10 pounds. Anybody feel like that? And he said unto him, well, thou good servant, because thou have been faithful in very little, in a very little, have authority over 10 cities. And the second came saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained five pounds. And he said, likewise unto him, be thou over five cities. And another came saying, Lord, behold, here is thy pound, which I have kept laid up in a napkin. For I feared thee because thou art an austere man. That means strict, 
um, or hard. Thou takest up, uh, thou takest up that thou laidest not down and reapest that thou didn't sow. I'm kind of making this new King James as I read it. I can't hardly read this uh, King James. It's King James. Just decided I was going to preach out of King James. We can. We can, we can be legalistic on both sides. We're not going to be. Let's don't be legalistic. Let's just take what we have and, and be willing to hear the message sometimes and hear King James sometimes. Amen? Amen. Okay. Let me focus again. And he saith unto him, out of thine own mouth, I will judge thee, thou wicked servant. Thou knewest I was an austere man, taking up that I laid not down and reaping that I did not sow. You know what this does? This makes me stop and think. These words make me stop and think, what are they saying? Because it ties me up. It's not my normal way of speaking, which I can a lot of times on my normal speaking, browse right over it and miss what they're saying. Verse 23. Wherefore thou gavest not thou money into the bank that at my coming I might have required mine own with usury. And he said unto them that stood by, take from him the pound and give it to him that hath ten pounds. And they said unto him, Lord, he hath ten pounds. For I say unto you that thou every one which hath shall be given and from him that hath not even that he hath shall be taken away from him. But those mine enemies, which would not that I should reign over them, bring hither and slay them before me. Now, keep in mind the purpose that the Bible records uh, this story of Jesus teaching this parable to his disciples, that after they had followed him for three years, they were expecting him to go out and destroy the unbelievers and to establish a physical kingdom. But by this parable, he made it clear that he is not going to judge those that refuse his lordship until he comes back the second time. He also made it clear that he expects his servants to take the part of the kingdom that he gave them and to occupy it by increasing it. He get, the, the nobleman gave them a, a portion of his kingdom. Do you see that? The nobleman gave three of his servants a portion of his kingdom and said, now go and increase it. The Lord, when you were saved, has given you a portion of the kingdom and now tells you to go and increase it. This is a picture of the kingdom of God. This is a picture of what God gives us and what he expects. He does not expect you to get saved and sit on your salvation. Can you see that in this parable? He expects a return. He expects a return. The greatest reward came to the servant who took the most ground in the process of occupying the land that the Lord had given him. On the flip side, the servant who interpreted the Lord's intention in the term to occupy, meaning just hang on, just hang on to what he had. He wound up being rebuked and called a wicked servant. Satan wants the church to fall into the ditch on either the right side or the left side of the path that the Lord has laid out for us. On one side, there are well-meaning believers that want to fight and maintain and expand the Lord's kingdom, but do it in the flesh. Wanting to, you know, uh, 
when the disciple cut off the ear when the person came to arrest Jesus. And calling down fire from heaven upon those that oppose the Lord. Satan wants us to believe that the kingdom is of this world and that our enemies are flesh and blood. He wants us to fight amongst ourselves. But we've got to keep in mind in Luke 17 verse 20. The kingdom of God cometh not with observation. Neither shall they say, lo here, lo there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. If we can get the picture that the kingdom of God is here. And that we have a command to go and occupy. You're going to see where, we're, where I'm going here. Even after the Lord's resurrection, his disciples were still carnal. In that they were still thinking they were going to see a physical kingdom. If Jesus wanted this, you know what? He could have called down as many angels as he needed to wipe out the Roman Empire. He could have done that, but that was not his intention. But on the other side, there are those believers who want to just sit on their salvation and wait for the Lord to return. They believe that the kingdom of God was handed to them when they received the Lord. And now all they're expected to do is just try to remain saved until Jesus comes back. Never tried, never trying to drive out an enemy from their land because they believe that the Lord will do it all for them. You know, the children of Israel had to drive out the enemy. And when the Lord did, did sometimes the Lord, they showed up and they were dead. Or they turned on themselves. But the children of Israel always had to go. And they always had, a, had, a, had direction. And when they followed the direction, they always had success. The truth that we're looking for here is kind of somewhere in between. Jesus handed us one pound of a saved human spirit expecting us to occupy our land by making our enemies his footstool. You might ask, if I'm already saved, what other land could I be expected to occupy in the kingdom within me? And the answer lies within the tri triune nature of man. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, it says, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The salvation of our spirit by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is the gift of God. This is the one pound that the nobleman gives to everyone who chooses by submitting to the lordship of Christ. Now, hang in there with me. We are commanded to drive out the enemies from the Lord's kingdom within us. We are commanded to clean the inside. We are commanded and we are given the power over these forces that are trying to bring us down in our everyday life. With jealousy. With backbiting. With compromising with our children or with our spouse or even in our own, in our own spirit. Cleansing our lives from the filthiness of the flesh. As well as the sanctification of our soul realm, which includes, remember, as we talked about soulish and flesh and spirit, the soul is the mind, the will, and the emotions. 
Romans 12, verse 1 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. This is what we're after. Presenting our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable before God, not full of fear, not full of depression, not full of sin. Christians battle sin. And, and th- we, th- there, is the, there is the potential for somebody to really, truly get free. Because the Lord has given you the power over what has a hold of you. And what we're going to walk through by scripture is going to show you what they are. We're going to try to flush out. We're going to try to identify what the problems are that are going on in your life and in my life. And then we're going to look at how to attack it. Anybody? Does that sound good to anybody? When we give our, Lord, our lives to the Lord at the time of salvation, the Holy Spirit immediately begins to work to help us to drive out our enemies. He begins with our outer court, the outer court through the cleansing of our flesh by convicting us to lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. We have to lay it aside. This is the easy part. The Bible calls it simply, do you remember in the previous scripture? Let me go back. Reasonable service. You know, we, we want to read this and think, my goodness, this is, that sounds impossible. Becoming holy and acceptable unto God. But then it gives a statement which is doable. It, it follows up saying, you can do it. Yes, we, we, we can pull this off. This is within your ability. Lay aside every weight. That's what we're going to be doing. Jesus expects us to occupy his temple until he comes. We're under the commandment to expand the salvation of our spirit to include the deliverance of our bodies from all enemies. But we've got to bring our life into submission to our spirit in all areas. Only then will Jesus truly be the Lord of your life. We must rule over our flesh concerning food, sleep, exercise, alcohol, tobacco, drugs, sex, sick, sex, sickness, addiction. We must present our bodies a living sacrifice unto God. It is our reasonable service. I'm almost done. Romans 6. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lusts thereof. Neither ye yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. It said before, let not sin reign in your mortal body. We have a command to occupy our body. These things are trying to come in. The salvation of our soul or the cleansing of the inner court of God's temple usually takes a lot more time 
and is much more difficult than the deliverance of the flesh. We can easily see these fleshly things, whether they're images or whether they're um, strongholds like alcohol or tobacco or or drugs or pornography. We can see these things, but what we're going to we're we can easily identify those. And it says clearly, lay them aside. You have the ability to get out of that. You may not think you can. You need to come up and let somebody pray with you or start hanging around someone that can. You need to start getting in the word. You're missing the word. If you believe your addiction has you and you can't get free of it, you need to get in the word of God. You need to get to praying and you need to come up. You need to come meet with me or you need to meet with somebody and get get rid of that. These fleshly things, we need to get broken before we start to attack the internal things. You're not going to get past the internal. You're not going to get to the internal if you don't get to the external first. You know, even like in coming into the presence of God, we've got to come in from the outer court and go into the inner court. We don't just show up in the presence of God. We have a process. And that process is getting our heart right, getting our sin off. And when we're clean, we come in. Who can ascend the holy hill of the Lord? Those with pure hands and a clean heart. Clean hands and a pure heart. Y'all know what I'm saying. And we are in the process of coming purely into the presence of God. But if you're battling addiction and you can't get free of it, brother, ask for help. Sister, ask for help. And let us let us pray that out. You go out of here tonight free. But you've got to go get it. You've got to go get it. I I, I feel like we've hit a we've hit a, 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 a nerve or or a. I can feel in my spirit the Lord saying there there are some here that aren't willing to go to this next step and it, if the if the checking account is full why wouldn't you make a withdrawal if the health insurance is there and you could go and get help why wouldn't you okay I'll I'll move on I can't do it for you. With the prodigal, the prodigal had to get up and had to make a decision. I don't want to go so far to say the Lord's not going to do it for you, but the Lord has done it for you. You've just got to go take it. Your provision, whoever I'm talking to, your provision has been made. Do you remember at the beginning of this year, I said that I felt like the word of the Lord was that this was the year of, of, is it access? The table is full that this is the year that we go and we get, we, we go and get what the Lord has provided. There was a word. David Trumbly would remember. Um, but you're starving. And you're about to die of hunger and a table sets before you full of food. You just have to go eat. You just have to come to the throne of God and humble yourself. God gives grace to the humble. And it's a humbling thing to come forward and to ask for help. But I want you to know God comes to your rescue. When the prodigal humbled himself and returned home, 
he was restored. He didn't think he was going to be restored. He thought he was just going to be a servant. And he was happy with that. But the daddy said, "Uh uh-uh. He stopped him in the middle of him talking. Stop talking, son. The band's already playing. Go get the coat. Go get the ring. Let's kill a cow. We're going to have a party. You're my son. Restored immediately. The salvation of the soul or the cleansing or the inner, of the inner court of God's temple usually is a little bit more difficult because it's not as easily identified. We can easily distinguish between our bodies and our spirit, but it takes the word of God to give us clear distinction between the soul and the spirit. We looked at this in the last thing I preached. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder and of soul, of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. We must be willing to submit to the word of God and the ministry of the Holy Spirit if we are going to identify these solic, solical enemies. The purpose of this series is to help flush out the enemies in your land so you can drive them out. James one i I'm going to close with two scriptures and we're going to pray. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and super, superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving own yourself. First Peter chapter one, verse nine says, receiving the end of of your faith, even the salvation of your souls of which salvation, the prophets have inquired and searched diligently who prophesied out of the grace that should come unto you. Father, I just ask right now, Lord, that we would put our pride down. This is one of these enemies is pride. Lord, that we would you give grace to the humble Lord, you pull down the you pull down the proud. says that you exalt the humble. You exalt the humble and you you humble the exalted. And you resist the proud and give grace to the humble. Lord, I just ask you to help us. Help us to see that you are our answer. We don't have to wait for the end of this to if you're battling fear or if you're battling depression, if you're battling uh, addiction, You don't have to wait to the end. We can fight it now. It says to lay aside these weights. When you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you received the ability to speak with the authority of his name. And when I pray, I pray in Jesus name. Scripture shows us that as we pray and as we use Jesus, that that demons identify with Jesus. They know Jesus. They don't know you. They've got control of you. You have no dog in this fight. You're going to lose. But in Jesus' name, you win. Submit to God. Resist the devil. Part of this, number one, is submitting. Number two is resisting. You're saying, I don't want this anymore. That's a resistance. 
And it says that he will flee from you. Submit to God. Resist the devil. And he will flee from you. Father, I thank you that you have given us power over sin. Lord, I thank you that we are able to to, um, come clean by the blood of Jesus. Don't be fooled. Everyone has sinned. You're not the only one. Everyone has sinned. Thank you, Lord. I thank you. And I ask you just to start identifying in our lives the problems that we have. And Lord, let us attack them with everything that we've got. And let us attack, let us attack them with your word. Let us attack them with the armor of God. And Lord, I just speak victory over this group right here tonight. Victory over the power of sin. Over the power of Satan. And that he has no authority over us. We claim authority by the blood of Jesus, by the power of Jesus Christ, and the power of your Holy Spirit. And we say, get off our land. And get out of our kids. Thank you, Lord. Now just give us breakthrough. Just pray for tonight's deacons meeting. I just pray for this church, our youth, our children, our men and our women, the families, the marriages. Or the worship team. Lord, I could just go on and on. Life groups. Bless this church. Bless our community. We just bless your holy name. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. I hope you have a great rest of the week.